Well, it is time for The View from Victoria. And joining us today is Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. He is here with his take on the day's headlines. Rob, good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. Thanks for that Taylor Swift introduction. I like that. Well, I'm supposed to ask you why you wanted Taylor Swift music for your intro. This is my penance because, you know, my bank, RBC, has done nothing good for me except somehow I got in through them to get presale tickets to Taylor Swift Ooh. in Toronto. And they were sitting there in my hot little hands online. You have seven minutes to make up your mind. And I, I realized <laughs> that I didn't want to go to Toronto uh, for this concert. And I thought about buying them anyways. You know how people do that and then they flip them yes. for cash. Uh-huh. And I just couldn't do it because like that's part of the problem, right? <laughs> like people who buy tickets to shows they don't want to go to and then sell them for money. And I just, and I passed on them and now I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know. Was that the right move? Was, uh, you know, like don't buy tickets to concerts you aren't going to. I think that's the I think that's the problem out there, but I guess, anyways, I guess, I mean, you could have always sold them to a friend or somebody and not taken a huge profit and therefore helped somebody else go. It's, it's funny with a seven minute ticket magic <laughs> clock counting down how your brain starts to run through the different options and uh, you just can't figure that out. I was, I was stuck. So anyways, that's my penance is Taylor Swift every day. All right. So just, yeah, just to clarify then, you did not get the Taylor Swift tickets. I did, I did not. No, don't email me or text me for the tickets. I didn't get them. Rob does not have tickets to sell you to <laughs> right. the Taylor Swift. Oh, good on you though. I think there are, there are probably some Taylor Swift fans listening right now thinking maybe be even throwing things at their uh, radio or listening devices going, Rob, what were you thinking? How could you pass something like that up? I could have made like three grand or something like that. Or or I could have just passed them on to people who needed them. I don't know. (laughs) Or you you could have gone to the concert yourself. I I could have. I could have. It would have been it would have been good. But anyways, I didn't do it. And so uh, now I'm here with you in the morning (laughs) listening to Taylor Swift. (laughs) All right. Well, the opportunity has passed. But uh, there you go. We can still listen to Taylor Swift's uh, on the radio. Uh, Let's talk about, I think, what everybody is talking about. And well, we're talking wildfires, but specifically as well, the the evacuation of seniors from Kelowna. And this uh, has got to be I mean, talk about stressful situations and difficult situations that's uh, that's a lot going on there yeah it's the biggest evacuation in bc history of seniors in this short period of time 48 hours uh, more than 900 seniors now who've been evacuated from in and around kind of that west Kelowna, Kelowna, okanagan uh, area and it's an, it's like a herculean effort you can imagine because seniors are especially frail um, the, there are different types of seniors from the long-term care seniors who require that 24-7 care. They, they might be on a, a hospital bed or they might be on a stretcher. Uh, they might have cognitive impairment like dementia or things like that. You have to find a way to, you can't rush them. You can't, the confusion and the anxiety that is going to be part of this, this move uh, requires this very careful um, planning. And then you have assisted living clients. Maybe they have a wheelchair or a cane or a walker, the independent clients, the brain injured clients. So in- interior health has to mobilize this small army of people with all of this equipment and trucks and little um, uh, ambulances and the private ambulances uh, and buses and find a way to not just move the seniors, but move them with their care plans, with their medication, 
making sure that they, um, you know, their needs are met, that the healthcare staff is with them and get them out of there and keep them calm all at the same time. Uh, and uh, it is uh, it is quite an effort. It hasn't hasn't you know got as much attention, I think, as as fighting the wildfires itself, which is uh, certainly dramatic and has required you know just a, an, another Herculean effort. But getting these seniors to safety uh, in different communities, a, a bulk of which went all the way to Vancouver actually uh, has been quite a quite an effort indeed. Uh, and I know you've written about this uh, a column going into a, a lot more detail, but uh, I was curious about this as well because I know there were also seniors from Yellowknife that were being moved around. And I would think too, uh, on top of everything you just mentioned, even finding space to take seniors from their care homes to get them to safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some have gone to different communities and Vernon took some, but uh, I know that Yellowknife was evacuating some seniors to British Columbia. The government has managed to find a, a facility in Vancouver that was closed uh, due to age that they've reactivated. So there was four buses that came down from Kelowna with seniors on them uh, with water and food. I asked the question, did they have bathrooms on the buses? Uh, and the answer is no. So there was a lot of pit stops for seniors to use the facilities uh, you couldn't have had bathrooms on the buses because they wouldn't have been able to use them anyways. If you imagine um, getting knocked around in the small little bathroom, you could actually injure a senior uh, quite easily. So this this was a long trip, hours. Uh, it was seniors, um, you know, uh, trying to keep them happy and calm to the best extent that you could and bring them down to uh, not all of them, but some of them to Vancouver and set them up there. Evacuation centers aren't suitable for seniors. The cots are too low, the facilities are loud and bright, and uh, they don't have the specific needs. So you have to do something different with them. And, uh, you know, Interior Health uh, and the larger, you know, provincial health uh, apparatus managed to mobilize. Also, the airspace is closed in Kelowna, too. So you couldn't evacuate um, by, uh, you know, plane or, or helicopter. Uh, and that would have been a, a different experience as well. So quite a quite a trip and quite a, an effort. And, uh um, certainly, you know, I think uh, disorienting for the seniors, but amazing that it was pulled off in the way that it was. Continuing now with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. And Rob, just before the break, we were talking about the huge, huge operation of getting seniors from long-term care homes in Kelowna to safe places. Uh, there was also some confusion, though, or maybe some questioning of the timing of the uh, declaring an emergency for the entire province of BC. How did that play out? Yeah, you know, it's okay, I think, if you're in the public and you are confused about the idea of a state of emergency and why government takes time calling it. This happens again and again. It happened in 2017, 2018, uh, just after COVID. This sort of tension between when do we call a state of emergency and what does it do and what does it mean? Uh, It technically gives the government more power to set prices uh, to uh, enter private property, to put in place travel bans, to get more federal aid, that type of thing. But the government hesitates on doing it. And we saw this play out uh, on this wildfire situation Friday. Uh, we're all on a briefing, a media briefing at one in the afternoon with emergency uh, minister Bowen Ma, who said, we don't we don't need uh, the state of emergency. We have the tools that we need right now. Uh, and she was asked, well, how much worse does it need to get before we do that? Uh, and, uh, you know, just four or five hours later, 
the premier has a press conference with Bowen Ma standing behind him saying, we are going into a state of emergency. We need these tools. The situation had changed dramatically in those four hours. Things had got much, much worse. People were More people were being evacuated. Um, but that initial kind of hesitancy of the tools question, we see this again and again, um, you know, uh, a debate over whether we should go into that. One of the reasons that we do, and the premier articulated this quite well, I thought, at his press conference is, it gives the appearance we are doing everything possible. That was one of the reasons he stated, the first reason he stated, that going into a provincial state of emergency tells people the government is there for you with all of its powers, extraordinary powers on the table. And yet, um, you know, we end up in this weird political bun fight almost every year now on when and how states of emergency should be declared. Uh, and then we have a press conference on Saturday, so tw- not even 24 hours later, where uh, Bowen Ma is talking about the, it's good that we have these incredible, extraordinary powers to be used when previously she called it just an administrative step. And so, you know, if you're in the public, you're confused about this. And I think it would probably be good for government to stop having this weird debate over this issue during emergencies every year and just figure out a way to do it without confusing everybody in the process. Why is there such hesitancy, do you think, that uh, what, what is the downside of, uh, of calling it or declaring a state of emergency when we're seeing all of those fires? Or, or, or is, there, is there a downside in calling it earlier, say, than, than maybe you absolutely have to? Well, I think it was political in, in 2021 coming out of the COVID state of emergency that we'd been in for more than a year, straight into a wildfire season. And Premier John Horgan didn't want to go into another state of emergency. We were moving to normalcy and there was a big hesitancy from government to go back weeks later into another state of emergency. Now we hear the government and the politicians say, well, this is handled inside emergency management BC, handled inside the wildfire service. They'll tell us when they need it. But when you have the worst wildfire season in BC history, ramping up to one of the worst evacuations in Kelowna's history on Friday, and no state of emergency, it doesn't make sense. It's impossible to explain that to the public in a way that makes sense. And maybe internally, there's some sliding metric chart that some official uses that doesn't reach the red line. But that is not a way to go forward when you have a situation as serious as Friday, people packing their bags, thousands of people, and there's no state of emergency until the premier comes out hours later and does it. Um, that doesn't work. Uh, and, uh, you know, for the sake of government or the officials involved or whoever is making these decisions, should probably come up with a better way of doing it so we don't end up talking about it every single time there is an evacuation, uh, which seems like it's going to happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, annually now with with climate change. Well, and it does when you talk about the additional powers that it gives government as well and the confusion. And it seems like there was some confusion also when uh, Bowen Ma said that they wanted people to not be driving to the Okanagan. It made sense. Obviously, they wanted to keep hotel rooms and keep space for evacuees. But there was even confusion there. Is, it, is there a ban against driving through the Okanagan? Can you drive through there if you have? to get through there to go somewhere else and it seemed even when those powers were kind of put in place it still wasn't all that clear when talking about things like like roadways and and where people should and shouldn't be Mm -hmm. well we we learned during covid how complicated 
it is to execute those kind of bans, what it requires. Remember when we were talking about not being able to cross uh, provincial borders during COVID and the idea, do we have roadblocks at the borders? Are there police turning you away, inspecting your papers? People people don't like that. And so government proceeds very carefully. It's not, you know They use the, the, the law to say, don't go. And they use the law to tell people you're not allowed. But they also you know, rely a little bit and quite a bit on people following what they're saying without having to have police check every reservation you're making and tie up resources that way. So yeah, the, the Emergency Act allows them to restrict travel, whether they do it to the extent that it catches everybody and how hard they crack that down, um, you know, is a kind of sliding target. But it's not, it leads to that confusion. We saw it during COVID, you know, am I allowed to do X? Can I do Y? Really complicated scenarios. Uh, remember with the back passive, well, what if I go to a place that allows me to step in and order at a counter, but I'm not eating at the, the table because I'm at the bar stool, but I'm outside. And like, does that count as a restaurant? All of these the kind of permutations, um, you know, government can't handle them all during an emergency. And so they rely a little bit on just um, hoping that people listen to them and, and not try to find ways to, to find loopholes. Yeah. And let's say, yeah, yeah, just, just hearing you uh, kind of take us back there. I got a bit of a shudder uh, thinking about, Sorry about that. <laughs> that, that's okay, but hopefully uh, we do not have to go back to that scenario. Rob, thank you so much for this and we will talk to you again soon. Okay. Take care.